Live at Five Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Well, Jim, the Vikings have one of their guys under contract, their skill position players who they wanted to get signed up. That's TJ Hawkinson. He signed a contract extension. Uh, details not released unless you have a little insider for us on that. Yeah, it's out now. Four years, okay. $68.5 million. Uh, he gets the highest average annual deal for a tight end in NFL history ahead of Darren Waller. Obviously, Kelsey's the best tight end in the league. He's probably going to be pounding on the desk looking for a new deal. But he and Mahomes never really complain about contracts. They love playing together, so I don't think there's any, you know, too much drama down there. But yeah, Hawkinson, uh, in part because he's productive, in part because they didn't want to waste, you know, having traded for him and feeling like he fits in their offense and let him get away. Uh, he gets the deal done. Frankly, this is the harder deal to do. Uh, the Jefferson deal, I really think, will be announced within the next eight, ten days. Okay. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikes are holding it so they can make a big splash with it next week. Um, Hawkinson, you know, hey, I really think the ear infection and the lower back soreness were him holding in until he got a deal, not wanting to get hurt in practice until he got the deal done. Now he's going to be full go. Um, maybe he missed some time that would have been valuable this camp, but the reality is he played great <laughs> after two days of practice with this team last year after he got traded. So I don't think there's much concern about him being productive. Does it feel like a good contract to you for the from the Vikings standpoint? I mean, they're overpaying. Yeah. Um, but you know, you you in situations like this, you have two choices: you can either overpay or lose the player. Um, they think he's really important to what they do. And they think that this offense with Jefferson, Hawkinson, uh, Addison, and Osborne and functional running backs is going to be really dynamic. Uh, internally, they're very fired up about it. Maybe everybody's fired up this time of the year, but they're very fired up about it. And it just wouldn't be the same without Hawkinson. And they traded to get him. When they traded for him, they knew this was coming. And they knew that they're probably going to have to overpay him. And so it's just really the cost of doing business. Is that why the Lions traded him last year? I think so. Uh-huh. I just don't think that uh, – I, I think in their offensive pass-catching tight end is just not as important as it is to the Vikings. Uh, also, at the time they traded for him, I don't think they knew exactly how competitive they were going to be. They really put a nice surge on at the end of last year. Uh, so I think – I just don't think they value the position as much as the Vikings do. Uh, the um, uh, Gophers open tonight. We talked at, uh, at length about them uh, yesterday. But let me ask you this. As you look at the season uh, coming for the Gophers, uh, they went 9-4 and four last year. But, you know, I think, as you referenced, too, they came up a little short of what their real goals eventually were. What's a good season this year for the Gophers? Well, if they could go 9-4 and four against this schedule, yeah. that would be a triumph. Last year was a huge disappointment given the quality of the schedule. This year, it would be a triumph. They have to play Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Wisconsin might be better. Uh, Nebraska might be better. We'll find out tonight. Uh, the schedule is just its just not an easy one. Uh, so I think, you know, I would say the goal is to get to nine victories. I'm not sure it's possible. If they somehow pulled that off, uh, then that would be a triumph for P.J. Fleck. Yeah. Uh, it's the last year of division football in the Big Ten as we know it. Uh it, it's hard to picture in my mind the Big Ten, they have 18 teams right now, just running 1 through 18 and having somebody finish 17th or 18th place in the Big Ten. But it looks like that they're going forward to that. Is that temporary? Is that going to last? What do you think it eventually looks like? Things are changing so fast. Who knows if they only have 18 teams by then? Right. You know? I mean, right. I have no idea. I mean, they, 18 teams, you can break that up into four, <laughs> yeah. four divisions if you wanted to. 
it, playing one through eighteen doesn't make any sense because, as you said, it makes somebody look really bad. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, 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 I'll be honest though, I have no idea where they're going with any of this. I have no idea what college football is going to look like a year from now, much less five years from now. So they might just try this out for a year or two before they try something else. Who knows? Yeah, it's it's such a, a moving uh, situation at this point. That's for sure. Uh, twins off today, beaten yesterday. Uh, I, I I'm having a little concerns about Joan Duran. I mean that that slider that wound up you know tying the game that missed by eight feet. Uh, it seemed despite the guy actually swinging at it accidentally. Uh, it, he's he's struggling a little bit. He is, and uh, that was a very concerning two innings for me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one thing to get beat; it's another thing to beat yourselves. They had three terrible moments in that game. Uh, one was Duran gets a comeback, or this should have been a game-ending double play. And if that happens, we're not talking about any of this. He bobbles yeah. it, doesn't get the out. Then he spikes a breaking pitch. He has two outs, two strikes. He's got a hundred and one to one hundred four mile an hour fastball, and he yanks a breaking pitch behind a hitter in a clutch situation. That's the most concerning thing I've seen I've ever seen from him. Uh, that ties up the game. And then uh, Rocco, I, I don't understand his rationale for the Pagan. Thunderbird change. Mm-hmm. He sends Pagan out to pitch the 10th, and then he pulls him when Cole Calhoun comes up because he didn't want to leave him out there. Well, I mean, if you're going to put somebody out there, you have to expect him. he's going to get through the, the whole inning. Um, he brings in a lefty against Cole Calhoun who crushes lefties, and Thunderbird is, just has not been eased into the big leagues in any way, and you have a guy who just you know spending his first weekend in the big leagues, and all of a sudden he's He's face, he's pitching in what could be the biggest game of the season to date, and uh, he cr- he gets crushed by Cole Calhoun, which is almost predictable. Um, so the lefty lefty split didn't make any sense. Uh, that one completely befuddled me. Yeah, what what I'm sure he was asked about that. What did he say? He said that uh, Pagan's pitched a lot lately, and he didn't want to leave him out there too long. And mm. I again, if 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 I just he's on the mound. You have to expect him to get through the whole inning. Yeah. It looks like uh, uh, they might get Chris Paddock back before the end of the season. What are you hearing about him? Yes, they're very encouraged. He's very encouraged. So really remarkable how much talent they're going to get back here. And, you know, Buxton and Kirilov played center field, played uh, uh, Wednesday night in St. Paul. Buxton played seven, seven in center field. Kirilov played. Uh, Paddock thinks he's going to be back. Stewart, Brock Stewart looks like he's going to be back. I mean, those are four impact players if they can perform at you know a reasonable level. So, a lot of moving parts here. I will also say that uh, when Joey Gallo gets pinch hit for against a right-handed pitcher by a right-handed batter in Jordan Luplo, uh, I think Gallo is probably the you know listen. It'd be easy to cut Luplo. He hasn't really done much lately, uh, but I think Luplo and Gallo are probably the two guys who might go when Buxton and Kirilov come and Castro come back. Did you get a chance to see any of Buxton in center field? I didn't. Royce went over there for us, and he only had he had one routine catch, played one ball off the wall, got a hit, drew a couple of walks. To me, uh, the fact that he was in center field and the fact that he drew walks are the two biggest things. Um, if he can just be himself in center field, that's a major boost. And if he can, if he's going to draw walks, that means he's not swinging at pitches outside of the strike zone where he just gets himself out. When he stays in the strike zone, his bat speed is such that he's just going to be productive. There's some. Uh, there's certainly a psychological element to getting Buxton back in the outfield, and uh, 
it, it should help him with his struggles at the plate. I mean, that's the theory, right? It's the theory, and it's not just a theory in this mm. case. He did not know how to DH. He did no. not know how to handle his time between his bats. He didn't know how to keep his mood up when he made outs. Uh, for him to be able to go out and rob somebody, you know, for him to make a, a, a key out in a game and then be able to go out and rob a home run or a triple or double from somebody, completely different psychological profile for his next at bat. No doubt. Texas Rangers this weekend, a good test and a possible playoff preview against the Rangers. They could meet up in the postseason. They very well could. Uh, a lot, you know, that West division is very jumbled right now with uh, Houston playing well, the Mariners being the hottest team in baseball, the Rangers trying to hang on. So they could play any of those teams. And they, they're all interesting teams. I think right now the Twins would probably want to play the Rangers. They seem to match up pretty well against them. The Rangers have been on, you know, on a bit of a slide lately. So, you know, five-game lead with whatever, however many games left, 27 games, 28, I can't remember how many are left. Yeah. Um, you know they have they still got like a ninety five percent chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. Um, Cleveland did go out and claim some key players on waivers today, oh. and it's probably a flaw in the rule that uh, they were enabled to grab multiple players before the Twins got any picks. It should probably be more of a snake threat. You know, it should be more yeah. of a you get one pick and then everybody else gets a pick, and then you get your next pick. Uh, but that's going to be, you know, it's very interesting that the, the Guardians were in the race, right in the race at the trading deadline, and they traded away. Now, yesterday, after winning against two out of three against the Twins, now they go out and they get Giolito. And, oh, wow. uh, and oh, I'm, shoot, I'm sorry. I'm Reynoso? I, uh, yeah, and uh, also you got a player. I, I don't, I've, somehow I lost track of what I have here. But, uh, but yeah, they, so all of a sudden they look like they're going for it when, a month ago, they weren't. It's very strange, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, and they're within five games, I suppose. I was wondering yep. if the Twins might have any interest in any of those guys the Angels put on waivers, but sounds like they didn't yeah. even get a chance to claim them. They, they are. They would. They were interested, and they didn't get a chance. So I know a lot of Twins fans just automatically, oh, they you know, either they're dumb or they're cheap or whatever. They didn't have a chance to claim these players. I, I don't know who they would have claimed, but they probably had interest. Yeah, uh, Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Sue Ann, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort.